Welcome to FinTech's DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Talent of FinTech chapter, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Janine Garn, Global Head of Talent Acquisition at Encino, a worldwide leader in cloud banking. She is here today to share how she walks the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more she wants done. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Nadia. It's great to be here. And in the studio, which I'm super excited about. Just to kick things off, can you tell us a bit more about your role, please? So I am Global Head of Talent Acquisition, so I look after everything from kind of strategy to delivery as it relates to bringing people into the organisation. So I'm based in London, but Encino is a global firm, so I have teams across the US and also in Australia, covering the Asia-Pacific region. So, yeah, I've been with Encino now for about nine months, I think, coming up. So I was brought in to reimagine the way that we were doing talent acquisition, if you Mm. like. That's not to say it hadn't been done well before I had joined it. It very much had been before I joined the business was very much in grow to float mode. And now we're a publicly listed company, need to do business differently. And so we're having a whole scale review of people operations with a new chief people officer, who's my boss, Chris Ainsworth, who's amazing. And yeah, so a huge amount of work going across the whole of people operations to make sure that we are really positioned as the company that we are now being publicly Mm. listed huge SaaS company. Yeah. What an exciting time for you. Like this whole year, I think like talent itself, it is being redefined and reimagined, as you said, like it's not only about who we're bringing into businesses, but how we're looking after them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this chat today. Tell us a bit more about Encino and the mission of the business. Yeah. So Encino is a, as you said that it's the worldwide leader in, in cloud banking. So really we're under the pioneers of cloud banking, really pushing that through the industry at a time I think where a lot of people were very mistrustful of what was what was cloud going to mean and now of course it's just the accepted standard of how people do business so I've always been an organization that's really led with innovation and wanting to transform the industry in fact our, our mission statement is to transform the financial services industry through innovation reputation and speed very much doing that now with um, our nick product which is our ai product which we've actually been building for four years so very much ahead of the whole kind of everybody going cra- crazy because of chat gpt we've been building our, our, our product in that area for a long time anticipating that this is going to be the next big thing. So you're very much an organisation that's at the forefront of the industry and very much about transforming the industry. And one of the things that I love about that is it has both a a commercial but also a very deeply altruistic angle to it. So as much, of course, we're a big commercial business, we're publicly listed, we have shareholders and we have commitments to our shareholders in in terms of profitability. But we're also very much a a values-driven organisation and really think about how we do work. And so as much as our mission around transforming financial services is for the benefit of our customers, i.e. the bankers and people that use the tool, it's also very much for the benefit then of the people who are downstream of the people who use those tools. Because it's really looking at what data can we provide to people, what um, information can we be providing to people, how can we transform the way that people work 
to democratise decision-making processes and to de-bias things throughout the system and to make sure we're getting all of the information that we need rather than just parts of the information that we need so that decisions are fairer, more accessible. So it's really great from that perspective as well because it's really opening up the... I think sometimes impenetrable world of finance mm. to people who, you know, in, in a lot of cases, the people who need to benefit from it the most. We do lots of work with like credit unions and agricultural unions and things like that across the states, mm. which is which is really great. It's not just about the big banks and making mm. the big banks even bigger. It's about really helping everybody who's connected through the financial services ecosystem. Mm. I'm super inspired listening to you that you guys have this mission that then is backed up by everything you're doing day in day out, and I love. I love the fact that you've mentioned values. I know you're a big believer of values, but they really are core to what your business is, is yeah. all about. Like you truly live and breathe them. Yeah. So I'd love for you just to share with the audience how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that actually really struck me when I was interviewing with Encino and, and ultimately one of the reasons that I made the decision to join there was you worked in recruitment for long enough, especially financial services and tech industries, they would talk about their values and about how this is how we do things. And really, it's, it's a logo splashed on a wall, if anything. And it's there to pacify the regulators that they're doing things differently post-financial crisis or, or whatever it might be. So I've never really put that much stock in people talking about their values because I've always really seen a huge incongruence between doing what you say you're going to do and then actually doing mm -hmm. it, right? And then when I joined Encino and actually even just the whole way through the recruitment process, you just feel that they're being lived. And it's such a kind of intangible thing to put your finger on because it's so woven through the way that everybody does everything. Nobody comes here and goes, ooh, you're bringing your A-game. And it points out when people are living the values because it just is. It's how we work and how we do things, which is really interesting. For example, one of our values is around making someone's day, right? So it's not just all about working hard and, you know, increasing revenues or anything like that. It's about how you treat people and how you work with one another in the office. And making someone's day could be as much as, you know, we're very big on recognition in our organisation as well. So making someone's day could be as, as much as putting something in a Slack message to say, I've just had this great piece of feedback from this manager, please everybody congratulate me and let's all share in success. And, you know, it's very much that kind of... Um, an organisation that really then translates into how, especially as we treat candidates as are coming through the um, interview process, very much at the moment work with my team on things like talent communities and making sure that people don't feel that when they interact with Encino that it is a purely transactional relationship. I want it to feel much more relational and much more reciprocal. We're a big technology house. We're doing lots of cool, interesting stuff with our tech. We always love to talk to our customers about it. So let's talk to our candidates about it as well. So we've started doing things like inviting candidates, potential candidates to come and join um, AI webinars that we would normally only invite our clients to so that they can see all the kind of cool tech and stuff like that that we're doing. So we're really wanting to build a community of talent around Encino rather than just necessarily, oh, you look good for this job that we've got now, let me come and tap you up. And the values drive so much then into how we're dealing then with the talent community because you've got that that funny relationship with them in that they're not quite a candidate in our process. They don't quite have that kind of psychological relationship with you as they would do if they were invested in coming to work with you. But we still want to get them involved and still want to get them interested and energised and thinking about how to join us. So how do we bridge that gap and how do you make sure that we're treating people in a way 
that they can feel that this is how they would be treated if they came mm. to join us. Mm. Yeah, so I just feel like I totally just bored. That. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was great. No, it was a great answer. And I'm super excited about that. Like, the concept of talent community is so rare to come from a business and a business to be thinking more holistically about their relationship with the community of potential talent for their business. So I'm really excited that you're so forward-thinking on that. There's something else that I think you're really forward-thinking on that I really want to shine a light on, and that is your definition of success. Yes. And success, when I say definition, success as a transferable skill. Yes. So we recently conducted the Top 1% Workplace Awards yes. and congratulations. Yes. It was great to see, see you recognised so highly. But one of the things that I felt that really stood out was out of all the applications, you were an individual that said, we see success as a transferable skill. Yeah. And that's something that's really stayed with me because I think it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. So can you share that with our audience? Yeah, it's, it, it has a bit of a special place in my heart as well, this quote. So it's something that I've believed for a really long time. And as you said, it's fairly rare, right? Not a lot of organisations get that. And what I mean by success being really transferable, right, is that if you were really successful in an area, we know it takes, what, 25 years to be an overnight success or something like that, right? So in any arena in which you've been successful, the chances are 99% of the time you've had to work really, really hard to get there. You've had to have focus, you've had to have determination, you've had to have drive, you've probably had to have some resilience. And actually, it's that, it's the component parts of success, which are the transferable skills. And the reason I say it has a really special place in my heart is part of my interview process in CNN, I met with our Chief Revenue Officer and, and President, Josh Glover, and we were having a conversation and I asked him about his thoughts around talent. And he said to me that he views people like athletes. And, and it was exactly the same concept, but just put in a slightly different way. Mm. He said, if you take somebody who's a star athlete in track and you put them onto a baseball team, they may not be the best baseball player, but they will be really good because they've got that drive, that determination, that work ethic, that success. And I was like, oh my God, this is the first time ever in an interview when I asked somebody who doesn't sit in a people function for their thoughts on talent and they have just mirrored my exact thoughts mm. back to me. So that for me again was just such a, a real moment of, yeah, I feel like this is my place where I can come and I can make an impact because we're all thinking very much in the same way around mm. what is talent, how do we treat talent, how do we nurture talent, mm. how do we ultimately get the best out of our people. Mm. So that was great. So yeah, that, that, that whole concept is about the component parts of success being what is transferable because if you've got grit and determination and a strong work ethic, you can apply that to any arena of mm. your life. And I think what I love so much about this is because, again, it's just another example of how you are not just forward thinking, you're acting upon that. Because right now, I think the industry is understanding that there is something in potential yeah. <laughs> and there's something in what someone can grow into yeah. and the agility within someone's skill set yeah. and not just the this is something I've done before therefore I can do it again and as the industry opens their eyes to this for me I get so excited because that yeah. to me is so connected to inclusion yeah, and us 100%. being able to look at different profiles or atypical profiles to yeah. what we have usually seen within our industry yeah. and it really inspires me to know that there's businesses out there like yourselves who are, who are really leading the way yeah. and leading the charge on this but when we look at the industry as a whole obviously things have changed over the past yeah. few years but yeah. how far do you think we've come for inclusion I think this is still a long way to I think when you and I first ever spoke we had this conversation and something so I've been involved with kind of 
D&I. I think in, in pretty much every role I've been in since the mid noughties, which makes me feel ancient, but <laughs> no, 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 nonetheless. And we've been having these conversations non-stop now for nearly 20 years and not very much has changed. And so I think that there's a load of great intention, but there's not a load of great results. And what I've always found really curious is why is nobody just attacking that bit in the middle and being okay, if loads of people want to do it and it's not happening, what's going wrong? And so I think it's so great that people like you in the work that, that you're doing with the equity list, Nadia, in just trying to break those myths about the fact that, oh, there are no women in technology and you're never going to get a female software engineer mm, to lead a mm. team and blah, 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 and this, that and the other, and black people don't want to go into technology or whatever these silly myths are around the industry. I think finally we're starting to see some of these things become proven to be untrue. And I'm thinking about the work that people like 10,000 Black Interns are doing, for example, great, which I think yeah. are fantastic. Another companies like that who are doing great things to bring talent into organisations and just make people realise that this thing that you think isn't true, uh, this thing that you think is true about the scarcity of talent actually isn't. There's plenty mm. of talent there. The thing that needs to change is how we define talent. And I think that's where the kind of the thinking that we're talking about now is coming in, right? Because we could look at somebody and see the raw materials. We could look at somebody and be like, actually, they may not have... A, B, and C skill, but they've got D, E, and F, which are pretty bloody close. Mm. And actually, they've got a very strong track record of success. They've got a very strong track record of achievement and resilience. So actually, we can probably take D, E, E, and F and scaffold some great skills on to get them to where they need to mm. be. And I think that's what organisations now are starting to finally get their head around. It's not that the talent isn't there. It's that the talent that looks like a brown version of people that they've already got in their business aren't necessarily there. Or that the talent that looks like a female version of all of the men that they've got in their business aren't necessarily there. Mm. It's about really understanding there's so much breadth of experience that organisations could be really looking at seriously and they don't, they've been very narrow-minded. Mm. So the work now is to break down those barriers to people's imagination essentially mm. and I think once you've got people being able to imagine different types of talent coming through their doors mm. then I think finally that will be the thing that yeah opens the door to the industry and we'll start seeing real change totally agree and I'm so glad that you've you've said that the way that you have because a lot of the work I do is about evidencing that yeah. because I learned a long time ago how much I say that's not true that's not true it's much better for me to actually show yeah. somebody and it's yeah. just great to know that there are businesses like yours that are pi pioneering within yeah. this space the other so, thing, sorry, the other thing I think is going to make a real change around inclusion, certainly from looking at the angle of disability, for example, is I was speaking to more and more people who, as adults, are getting diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, mm. etc. And, and often it's because they're taking their children to be diagnosed and during the process of the diagnosis, they're like, oh, that sounds like me, that sounds like me, that sounds like me. And then getting these kind of midlife diagnoses. And then it's really, I think, opening up people's eyes to the fact oh, if I've been really successful in my career and I've got ADHD and I didn't even know I had ADHD for the last 20 years, then imagine how successful people could be if we gave them the right support the, and, and, and everything that, that we need. So I think that is going to be something that 
is very quickly going to translate into more and more organisations being much more open around, especially around neurodivergent conditions, because they will see more and more people that they know and that they love and they themselves um, understanding more mm. about those conditions through personal experience. Mm. Mm. Um, and then hopefully I think we'll see a, a groundswell of much more activity around looking at neurodivergence in the workplace yeah and the support around it to truly allow somebody to thrive because the way that you've explained that is absolutely spot on if all of these individuals have been success successful without the support imagine exactly how much farther somebody can go when they've got the support and that goes across all forms of marginalized communities that the system hasn't necessarily been set up for and i love the action focus that you've brought to today's podcast because i always introduce these pods saying let's walk the talk because it's a play on the fact it's a a podcast we're talking but also when it comes to inclusion there is a lot of talk that isn't necessarily action So when you're thinking about today's conversation, what would you like to leave our audience with so they can be more actionable on these topics? I guess it's that thing again around thinking about potential, right? So look for potential, not polish. All the things that we said around having this track record of success, especially if you can see that people have really succeeded in, especially in tough environments. You know, I always say when you look at people who've worked in McDonald's and things like that. I'm like, my God, have you seen McDonald's on a Saturday night? That is a tough old job. You can do any customer service job in the world. So I think it's just people getting out of their heads and trying to move away from this very kind of old, ingrained, stereotypical blueprint of what they think quote-unquote talent looks like in their organisation and just really challenging themselves Mm. on looking at transferable skills, looking at innate traits, intrinsic motivations, all that kind of stuff that you can't buy, right, and that you can't train, and that real attitude in combination with aptitude. Mm. And I think as soon as people start doing that, it will be transformative across not just our industry, but all industries. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Janine. That was absolutely brilliant. I love everything that you've spoken about. Attitude, aptitude, potential, transferable skills... This is the future of talent. So thank you for joining us on Fintech's DEI discussions. Let's listen, let's learn, let's walk the talk. 